0: Painter of the band is practicing again. You can hear them. You can hear. You can hear them on campus. You can f- start to feel it a little bit, even though it's still nine hundred thousand degrees outside.
1: I'm bricked up, baby.
0: You're ready to rock. You're ready to rock. We've we've had a lot of band talk recently. Uh, I think it stemmed from our buddy uh, Bennett Durando. Uh, defending uh the uh the vigor that has to go into band camp uh to brian harson last week um but uh yeah big big believers in the in the auburn university marching band and uh i don't know it's just it's it's always it's always cool when you first start hearing those notes because you know like like we said last time like it's so uniquely college football and college basketball too with the pep band but like i think the two, those being the two sports that we cover, you know, what really with the increased commercialization, which is funny to say, cause it's always been commercialized, but the more and more this is all become like a minor league and NFL 2.0 and you know um, TV money and contracts and all that. It's stuff like the, like literally as, as something as simple as the, just the sound of the marching band is what makes this thing different. And it just gets, uh, it has more of a connection. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what NFL fans are doing. Like, is there anything like that? Any is there anything they can do to be like, ah, oh, once you hear this, you're ready to rock? It's like, no, nah, you're just gonna have to sit through preseason for a little while.
1: We've got to start giving the band NIL deals.
0: Yes, that sounds like a great. Well, they could already have done it.
1: They can do it any time. They don't really need the NIL, do they?
0: But give them some more recognition. Give them some more. Give them some more cash. You know, it's tough. There's there's a lot. I mean, I could imagine like somebody trying to be in the band full time, you know, at, at Auburn, to, like also having to work a job and like go to classes and all that. So let's, you know, let's get the let's get an NIL deal for bands, sponsorship deals for like instruments. I think we can do that. Kind of like equipment deals. I know. Nothing shout about out to my,
1: shout out to my trombonist out there. We love you.
0: You're a big trombone guy. Oh. Is that was that what you had, is that that's what you played? Right. Yeah, we talked about it. Could four you, years of it. If I gave you a trombone right now, could you play anything in t- like, like that people would recognize?
1: You'd have to give me like I think an hour to like okay. get on YouTube and relearn the notes. It wouldn't be awesome, but I think pretty quickly
0: but you could pick like, it back up. The, yeah, that's more than I got. Um, I had one guitar lesson when I was like in like the fourth grade, and then my instructor moved and it was like well and it wasn't like there were like 900 million people who could teach me guitar where i I was the only so.
1: person in town who knew <laughs> it
0: was like all right well the guitar guy's gone eh, over guess the we'll years do i've had else. people
1: try to teach me guitar and i could never get my hands to do what i needed them to my do my hands are
0: too small i don't know if i've talked about it on the podcast i have small hands i think at least for someone of my like height and weight, six like, two ish. Yeah, uh, but I, I do have small hands. That's why I'll never be an NFL quarterback. But yeah, I could never. Like, I think the I think the thing that really got me is you know growing up playing like uh, playing like Rock Band or like Guitar Hero. The 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 innovation that changed the game for me not only when rot Band came out and it was like hey we've got drums and we've got a microphone and like all your buddies can play along and we we did that a ton that was like one of our favorite things to do. Especially in the summer, um, you could like kill like whole days doing that uh, when you were in middle school and, and high school. Um, but the thing is, the rock band controller had up like really like right, I guess up high, I guess uh, the notes. They had the buttons, the normal size buttons, at the end of the neck, but uh, like towards where you're where you were strumming. In you know, technical terms, um, the buttons were a lot smaller. And like, that's the ones I had to play on because, and I still, I still do. I still have, I still have that same guitar. uh, One of my old rock band guitars sitting in my, uh, sitting in my apartment right now. And uh, I have a little, uh, I have a little program that I, um, on my computer where I can just like call up like almost any song and and play it. It's a, it's a fun little thing to do, but I still have to play (laughs) the the, the buttons made for children. Um, So I, I, if I had to lean on that, in the fake guitar world. I don't think I would ever make it as a real guitarist. So I I have the opposite
1: issues of you. I have for someone who is small, uh, very large feet and hands. Uh, which is a weird combo. And certainly, if you wear, like if I ever try to wear like a vans or something comparable to that, it does look like I'm wearing clown shoes. It's <laughs> never worked out quite well for me. And I can distinctly remember sophomore year in college driving back from Montgomery and getting infatuated with the idea of playing the harmonica. I never Whoa. picked that. Oh,
0: out. Wow. Okay. All right. I need to. I need. I need more info on that.
1: Oh, well, it seems like a cool thing to do. You can carry it around with you anytime you hear a harmonica in a song too. You're like, oh yeah, we're about to take this up a level.
0: What's, <laughs> Okay. I'm trying to think of a song that's got harmonica on it. That or I'm the like,
1: sax. A saxophone sometimes sax to me signifies. That's like, where we oh, got. Okay.
0: That's where we got it. Um. You know the the song of the song of fall camp for us we've decided a few of us on the beat is the Monsters Inc theme song the the, the intro uh, because for some reason we thought Bennett could play it for us and uh, now it's been stuck in all of our heads so like we'll be sitting in the bunker like writing um, or you know sitting between interviews and somebody will just start humming the notes to it um, By harmonica the way... harmonica though I'm trying to th- oh uh, one of Taylor Swift's last albums um, Betty Uh, which is an incredible song when the harmonica rolls in early uh you know you're going to be in for a time so yeah no i agree i agree the harmonica you don't want to overdo it like you don't want to like put too too much of harmonica into your into your uh daily musical diet uh but when it hits it hits so i i I get that i i I get where you're coming from there
1: for a long time you had a you you had created for yourself and i think that it may have at some point, I don't know if you're still doing it or if someone else took over the responsibility of it, but you decided to let people in on what music was being played during the Gus Malzahn era. Have you taken that over into the Brian Harsin era?
0: No, I haven't. And I thought about this the other day. Um, So it's like, I would, I would mostly like Shazam it or, you know, whatever the thing is on your phone to do it. And I probably could do that a little bit more. It's just, the times I'll tell you this, it's it's part of the kind of the side effect of um, having more access, and what I mean by it is this: a lot of the times during the Gus Malzahn era, where where they were playing music during practices, it was usually during stretching or warm ups, right? Because you know they didn't have it quite as much going on during like actual drills. We used to see mostly stretching and warm ups, and so that's why we had a lot of that playing. Um, there's a little bit, there's some of that happening at Harson, but like honestly, when we're out there for a half hour or more, it's a lot of like actual stuff going on. <laughs> so you know they're using the speaker system for other things. Um, but if I will pick it up, like I remember last year, it was funny because it was like going back and forth between like songs you definitely knew that Brian Harson listened to and the coaching staff. And then every now and then you would get one of the players. Now I will say it's a lot more player centric. You got a lot more of like what you would consider like you know modern you know rap and, and all that. I will say also on top going off of this, uh, Tank Bigsby just slamming uh, down the Def Leopard uh, reference was was incredible the other day. Um, I wonder if there missed. was like a
1: target buy where he where he came across that. I was it's like, like nice you know shirt. I like this, but I don't know who this is. I like it.
0: I might. I need to start doing that. Buying buying T shirts for bands I don't know and wearing them just I th- just because I think it's they look cool and I and like, you know, more uh, much more fashionable people than me can do that. But yeah, in case you missed that, Tank Bigsby came in wearing a Def Leppard T shirt, and one of the people I can't remember who it was specifically. um... I ask like, hey, what's your favorite Def Leppard song? And he just goes, man, I don't know who this is. Which is so good. And it's like, yeah, he's 20 years old, and he's from LaGrange. <laughs> it's like he's probably not going to be up to date. I, I mean, I think I know, like, two Def Leppard songs. I'm going to be honest. I'm sure there's songs I know that are Def Leppard, but I don't know specifically that they are. So, I don't know. That whole... That whole I guess classic harder rock. I don't know what you would even classify them as. It's just that kind of just like Guns N' Roses, um, you know stuff you know, stuff like that it just uh, just doesn't ever hasn't ever really like sat with me other than like speaking you hear it at sporting uh, events.
1: Speaking of shirts, how about our beautiful boy and our beautiful model Nathan King?
0: Yeah. I love the, the sweetest shirt by model. The way. Uh some of us we didn't take a picture, but some of us did wear the shirts on Saturday. This is a pretty good look. We all kind of stood by each other during practice. That was that was real sweet. Uh, I love it. It's so funny. Um, you know, and uh, Dana uh, Marquez, the uh, the equipment manager at Auburn, uh, who does, I mean, calling him an equipment manager also is probably underselling him a ton. He is like an equipment genius uh, when it comes to, to Auburn football. He was saying that he had, uh, you know, Harson. Came up with the idea for it and told him about it, and Danny was like, "Oh yeah!" And he's like, he was so excited to make them. <laughs> and I saw him while I was walking out the other day after practice, and he looked at the shirt and he said, "Best T-shirt I've ever made." And I was like, "I love it. Like I personally, it's it's going to be a treasured, uh, it's going to be a treasured piece for me. Um, I just so good, so good. And I loved, I loved the reaction to it because it was like." There were some people, there were some people, I think there were some national people like cover college football that were like, yeah, Brian Harsin showing that, you know, uh, he's like sticking it to like, uh, like people in charge. Like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's, he's making fun of something that happened last year. Like, <laughs> it ain't that deep, but it's funny. It's still really, really good. Um, yeah. I know there are some, there are some fan and I know there's some media members at Auburn that were like, giving the shirts away, or like, you know, people were asking for them, they were gonna, and like, that's great, like, that's really kind for all of you, and, and I know at Hatgate last year, I gave my hat to my dad, well, because I had an Auburn logo on, and I just don't, I just don't wear it, but this, this is specifically built for me, and, and, and my shared experience, so, no, you're not getting my shirt, sorry, sorry everyone, Banner, you're not getting my shirt. the Auburn Observer Podcast, the delayed weekend edition, uh, the free edition. Thanks for listening, everyone, whoever you are and uh, wherever you are. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama, Painter Sharpless and Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter.
1: Brother, I hope your weekend was good.
0: Pretty good weekend. Uh, Pretty busy weekend. Uh, A lot of work uh, going on, obviously, with football and basketball. But hey, like we said earlier, this is like what we've been waiting for for months and months, so... I've been excited. It's it's been a whole lot of fun. I will say this right off the top: uh, we are recording this on to you know Monday night for a Tuesday release. We pushed it back a day just because of Auburn basketball. We didn't want to kind of put a podcast out and then have it immediately like you know the the shelf life, the timestamps. So for basketball, we moved it back a day. Appreciate you guys understanding listening to us. We were, however, I will say this for those of you who are subscribers: there was going to be another podcast over the weekend. Uh, of of our new our new side project is what I is what I like. You know, like when a band, uh, you know, when a, when a member of the band goes out on their own and starts cutting their own thing. That's what Painter's doing now with Dave McKinney and, and Pablo Escobar uh, with uh, with the friends of the program, and they had some good stuff on the on the basketball game uh, Sunday. Uh, that got lost to time and technical difficulties and it will be a lost episode that if anyone will ever get their hands on the recordings decades from now I'm sure it will be worth you know thousands and thousands of dollars to have that that premium audio but uh uh Dave and Pablo and Painter will be back sometime in the near future but we wanted to hold off talking basketball until they were done with their tour which they are uh and then of course um a good bit of this episode today We're going to talk about Auburn football uh, fall camp first weekend in the books. Um, Things start to kind of really get rolling here these next few days. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, uh, we'll be back out there for practice. Really, the next four days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we all have something, you know, practice availability related. And then on Saturday, they have their first scrimmage Saturday night in Jordan-Hare. And we'll talk to um, players and coaches after that. So it's a huge week. It's a really, really big week. A lot of fun. Uh, it's getting really exciting. So, um, like I said, we'll talk a lot of football in this, but we want to we want to bat lead off here with basketball. Um, so since the last time we talked basketball, Auburn played two more games, their second and third game, uh, respectively, in the uh, overseas tour of Israel, the birthright for college basketball. They beat an Israel select team of. Kind of pro- pros, domestic-based uh, guys. Um, no real superstars, really, you know. But guys that are, you know, just play together and are, are based in Israel now. Um, you know, Jr. Smith's younger brother, who played Louisville, was was on the team. There was a, was a guy who's really good, uh, really good uh, mid-major forward at North Texas uh, a, a few years back. Uh, led the way for that team. Auburn won that game 107 to 71, and then of course on Monday the headliner and what was a fun game, I thought really really entertaining, uh, back and forth in the first half, pulled away in the third, Auburn fights back in the fourth, uh, but end up couldn't couldn't hang on and pull it out, uh, losing by nine to the Israeli national team 95 86. Um, so. Instead of talking about the games individually, like about this and this, since they both have already happened, I think what we're going to do is kind of talk about what we learned and what we saw and what we uh, took away from the tour as a whole. Because I think these last two games, a lot more representative of the competition you're going to expect to see in the regular season. That that first game last Tuesday was supposed to be the, kind of the U-20s, and then it was kind of the U-19s, and it was basically the U-18s by the end because that U-20 team just Came back from uh, from playing in the in um, the European Championships, uh, where they came in fourth, um, and they just I mean obliterated them, just blew them off the court, and it was very clear they dominated that second game um, against the select team. Then in the third game against, you know, of course Danny Avila, who was, dadgum, he was he was amazing, uh, uh, you know, and, and and looked like an NBA player playing against college guys uh in that game um and and a bunch of other guys that are you know play around Europe um including some guys that were really good college players um a while back you know Auburn was in a dogfight that whole way and uh you know almost almost pulled off the comeback wasn't quite able to get over the hump and then Israel pulled away again late uh so from those two games um, I guess I'll throw it to you first painter like what what stood out to you the most I know you and like I said I know you and David Pablo broke down that second game in the lost episode but kind of what uh what stood out to to you about these these last two for Auburn um and Israel which I think were both in their own unique ways pretty entertaining watches
1: Wendell Green might already have this designation but he'll be one of the best guards in the league Chance Westry yeah. or oh, my God, it's exciting to have new young players that are just stepping in and are yeah. very good. And then lastly, the front court uh, looks excellent. And, uh, you know, Broom, man, excited about what he's going to be able to do. Uh, and Dylan Cardwell, I have been skeptical about uh, his progress. And if there was a little bit of projection, I think on a very small sample size, it's fair to say Dylan Cardwell is not the same player he was in his first two seasons
0: yeah yeah and I think I think for some of those guys that third game against the national team kind of was a was a, a swift step up in competition you didn't have quite the same amount of success with the exception of Jani Broome because this dude in all three games had 17 18 19 you know around that neighborhood of points. Great rebound. Broom had four steals and three blocks against the against the senior team. Um, super consistent, man. He was playing against, you know, those last two games, playing against grown men, professional players, and getting his shots, getting to his spots, making a play, crashing the boards well, uh, and playing really good rim protection defense. You know, Israel, the way they ran that national team, the way they ran their stuff on offense in that final game, really, really hard to guard. They were, I mean, beautiful ball movement. I mean, they looked like uh, I think uh, I think our friend Lonnie was was telling me, he's like, man, he, they kind of looked like the Warriors out there." And it's like, you know, that extra passing, like, just it just was. They were getting so many good looks. Some of that was, you know, over ex, you know, over exertion uh, from Auburn. You know, kind of going a little too far with some of the closeouts and getting aggressive at times where they didn't need to. Some of it was just, hey, these are pros. They've been playing. Some of these guys have been playing together for you know, uh, the summer uh, and are about to play in some really meaningful basketball here at the end of the month and in September. But whenever Auburn looked at its best on defense, when they started to be a little bit more sound in their closeouts and not giving up as many three-point attempts and funneling things towards uh, Jani Broom, Broom held his own. He was a really good rim protector. Don't think he dealt with fouls quite as much as some of the backcourt guys did in that final game, but he was ultra consistent. You know, it's one thing to dominate against guys that aren't on your level. Like, you know, Dylan Carwell, that first game for Carwell was just ridiculous. And then that second game, he had some highlight reel plays, not quite the same stats, but still looked really, really good. This final game had a couple of really good plays, really struggle with foul trouble in, in that game where, you know, I, that's going to happen, right? You know, he's, he's not a guy that you have seen play a ton of minutes consistently yet at the college level. Whereas a guy like Genai Broom, uh, I mean, he just he looked good in all three games, like as consistent as they can be, and he's stepping in to, for lack of a better term, some really big shoes. Like Walker Kessler was defensive player of the year. Walker Kessler was an All American. Walker Kessler was a first round pick. Um, it's hard to replace that, and, and, and Broom is different, right? His inside scoring ability, I think, is something like he's going to be able to get his own shot and create his own offense by getting getting the ball down low, very fearless down low, than Kessler was. Kessler was more of a rim runner and having to do some of that, maybe occasionally a pick and pop, a shot off of that. I think Broom's got more of a I think Broom's got more of a diverse offensive game. And then defensively, he's got it. I want to see how much I think well one thing I want to see a little bit more with Broom, and obviously he had several steals in this last game, but when teams put him out on the perimeter because they did this with Carwell a couple times in the last game. When they get him out on the perimeter, you know, Kessel was fine with it. Moving, you know, having a guard uh, on switches and mismatches and stuff like that. If Broom can be that guy where they can consistently, like, hey, we're fine with switching, we're fine with him having to chase down guys, and he did that a few times, it was like, if he can be more consistent in that area, which I didn't think he had to do quite as much at Moorhead State, I mean, he, he looked really, really good. And a lot of Auburn's guys look really, really good, but there were some up and down performances like from a guy like Yohan Traor, like from Dylan Carwell, uh, Jalen Williams, and, and, and guys like that. However, Broom was really good all three games against varying levels of competition. That's a sign of a really good basketball player, especially one who is just now breaking into the system and bringing the team. Um, there's a lot, a lot for folks to get excited about because – I think Auburn's still a very much a work in progress as a shooting team, especially from the outside. And we'll, yeah, International balls, international rules, shot clock, not having a right rotation, probably threw some guys out of the ry- uh, regular rotation, i say, should probably have thrown some guys off a of rhythm. But if you're not going to be this, like, super elite outside shooting team, which there's a chance that they aren't, the fact that they can dump it down low to a guy and get his bucket, and Traor, obviously, with his mid range as well, does a lot. But, man, uh, just – Super, super impressed with the way Janai Broom, his intro to Auburn basketball. I don't think you could ask for much more out of the guy.
1: As with any exhibition where you're playing an outmatched opponent, you want to take some of the performances with a grain of salt, sure. Uh, I still thought there was some like market improvement from certain people. And then, like you right. say, you know, if you get three games of consistent play, in particular the last one where you're going up against some actual dudes – I think it bodes well.
0: Bodes really well. Um, Yohan looked awesome in all three of those games. Um, I think that last game, you know, the, the power forwards for Israel um, had a little bit more for him on the defensive end. He didn't quite get in quite the same amount of flow-up fouls, obviously. Made a part there. But he had a couple of really good sequences where he shot the ball well. Um, that mid-range game, I think it was our buddy Jay on Twitter pointing out, he said, like, Treyarch feels probably the most confident about his mid-range game. That that shot changed so much for Auburn's offense last year because they had a guy like Jabari Smith who could knock it down. It looks different. Treyard's got a, a kind of a funky motion. Keep in mind, also, the dude's only been playing basketball for, for a handful of years. But if you can hit it at a consistent level, it doesn't matter what it looks like. He's 6'10. And anybody's anybody gonna like it gonna block it at that at that rate. Um, he was a lot of fun. And uh, you know, Chance Westry, the the last game for him, you know, he he wasn't quite as impactful. Those first two games he looked like I mean, might not have the stats, but like to the eye, looked like one of the best players on the floor uh in both of those games. Last game, not as much of an impact. But he had that no look assist that was that was very very nice, um, you know he, he he's he's long enough to get into passing lanes. He's so versatile. Didn't run as much. It looked like at point guard in this last game they put a lot of went a lot of that on Wendell, and then they put that on uh, on on Trey Donaldson as well. Trey had his moments, even though he probably played the least amount of the of the newcomers. Um, Yeah, Chance Wester is going to be a lot of fun. I think in that final game, I think in this final game, it was like, okay, that's a true freshman playing against grown men. Like, that. all right, now, (laughs) you know, guys that are playing in European leagues or, in the case of Avisia, playing in the NBA, it's like, oh, okay, all right. You know, that kind of is – that'll kind of knock you back down to earth a little bit, you know, not saying that that he had a bad game by any means. um, But it's such good learning experience, such good learning experience for those guys to get that kind of test because – what they face in the national team is like closer and closer to kind of like what you're going to see the peak of college basketball teams, uh, you know, upcoming uh, in in this season. And, um, you know, I think physically Auburn show they could, they could hang. And a guy like Westry, uh, I think is going to learn a lot from it.
1: The athleticism of the team and the experience this year. I I think we've already talked about, it's going to be hard to actually best your record from last year. Right. Uh, But they may have a, Given the makeup of the team, it's possible that – and just the early exit for Auburn. It won't surprise me if they wind up going deeper in the tournament simply because yeah. of how the roster is constructed.
0: Yeah, more depth, more versatility, and and more experience um, is going to go a long way. Um, great sign of that depth. Chris Moore playing a great final game. Says something about your team and says something about him. Where in your toughest competition. He has his best game. And it's just hustle, man. I'll tell you one thing about this team, um, and you saw it in last year's team as well. Uh, but from right off the bat, w- even with the new guys, with the guys coming back mixed in, this is a team that will get after you. They might not always make the right play on defense and be in the right position, but they're going to do it. They're going to do it at, at hundred miles an hour. They're relentless when they get out and transition and run. Uh, that's where they're at their best. You know, they tormented that team in game two. 30 turnovers, and over half of them were steals by Auburn. So, like, they were really getting uh, aggressive out there. And they just diving for loose balls. Katie Johnson going, like, maniac mode all game. Like, these are preseason games, man. Like, these, they're not playing real basketball for another three months. And Katie Johnson is playing it like, game seven of the NBA Finals. And, like, he's not alone. Chris Moore had a really good game in game three because it was just pure hustle. And when then when you see guys like Broom and Treor and Westry and Donaldson just already say, Okay, you're new to this, but they it looks like they already know that hey, if you're gonna be on the floor for a Bruce Pearl team, <laughs> like he's gonna ask you to give it everything you've got, and you're gonna have the depth and the versatility to do that, you're gonna be able to I think exert a lot of energy and a lot of force because, you know, you're not gonna pro- you're probably not gonna have to have guys play as heavy of minutes this season like a Jabari Smith or a Walker Kessler. Like, like last year you did is because, okay, these guys are obviously the best that you got, and they need to play a ton. Not saying they were coasting, not saying they were taking it easy, but I think Auburn's going to be able to kind of be a little more gambling on defense. They played a lot more pressure in this uh, in this tour than they probably did all of last season. Um, and just kind of that style and that speed that they were able to play with on offense stems from the fact that, you know, hey – if you're gonna need a breather, there's two or three guys that can step in for your spot right now because of the versatility. They can do more. They can do more with the with certain players like a Westry. Like where do you put Chance Westry next year? Everywhere. Okay. Well, you, you got that. Whereas last year, you knew Jabari was gonna be your best four. You knew Walker was gonna be your best five, and you had to build around that. This year, it's like, hey, mix and match. And, and Pearl, stayed true sure to his word. Like they lost by nine against the senior national team. Senior national team has been in game mode for, for months now. Auburn was still doing, like, hockey substitute. They were going five in, five out. Nobody got any, like, real regular rhythm in there because it, they don't have the rotation out. They don't have the lineups figured out. They got months to figure that out, right? And so they got to the lean on that, and uh, it, it played to their advantage in this one. May not, you know, could have cost them, and I'm going to say that weekly could have cost them, quote-unquote, the game, the last game. But they weren't here. I mean... Hey, if you'd have beaten that Israel team, what 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 would you have done? Like, okay, cool, you you did it. It's a great accomplishment. Keep moving. Doesn't count for anything. So if you're trying to learn as much as you can about the team, these these rotations and these, you know, everybody getting to eat really helped out. Like stretch and Chris Moore, guys that had quite a few DNPs last season for Auburn, got really good minutes. And because because as as Bruce said from the beginning, they deserve it at this point. We haven't figured anything out, so let's see what they've got and Guys like Chris and Stretch had their good moments.
1: Loved, loved KD yelling at a rolling basketball like it's Wilson from Castaway.
0: That's great. Him getting a tech in a game in in, a, in the fourth quarter of a blowout is great. I thought he was I thought he was going to get another one in the finale. Bruce was on it with the officials all game long. Um, in case you don't know the final stats from that one, Auburn. Uh, <laughs> Auburn, <laughs> I'm sorry, Israel went to the free throw line 46 times. Uh, Auburn uh, did not go that many times. They shot uh, 29 free throws in that one. And to the point where, I think there was a time in the fourth quarter where there was this really like touch foul called up the floor and Pearl was yelling at the officials and then the camera picked him up saying like, hey, blue, talking about Auburn in blue, um, their their uniforms, saying, hey, they're gonna send it to the free throw line, so just quit fouling them. Like just, you know, stop at this point. <laughs> you know, I and um, very frustrated. I think he was. I think Bruce said after the game he was like, "I'm, I'm still gonna be, you know, yelling at the officials no matter where we are." Kind of, kind of like, yeah, that's that's his style. Uh, but Katie really thought Katie or Bruce was gonna take it was gonna take a tech on there. I think some of those intentional fouls, those quote-unquote, intentional fouls and FIBA rules, really got under Auburn's skin. Because it's like te- it's technically like a tech at that point.
1: I don't even know what to say about the officiating. I guess just get used to it, boys.
0: Get used to it. And also, like, Danny v-, Danny v was out there for the first time in two years for the Israeli national team. A lot of people were there to see him. He's good. He's good. He he drove the lane. If you- like, I thought Alan Flanagan did a really good job in the first half against him defensively. But when Navidia got rolling, it was like, well, I don't know what you can do. Maybe be an NBA defender, I guess, because it's like, you know. And and Al, there will be mixed reviews on Al. It depends on your perspective. And I think the best way to go about it, he showed some real flashes in these games. He had some really good moments where you were like, all right, that's more of what we've seen back. It's just not consistent yet, right? And and Bruce Pearl's going to be on him about being consistent. He's going to be on KD about being consistent. Wendell had a great finale. Didn't shoot particularly well. You know what? Didn't matter because he was one of the big – him and Broome were the reasons why Auburn was able to stay in, stay in that game. Yeah, you got to be more consistent um, there, and if you can, you feel good. And, like, if not, you've got dudes behind you that can pick you up. That was the case for Auburn last season, and I think even though you have guys like Chance Westry now, except Jasper playing more off-ball than, than he was – he looked pretty good with a more confident jumper. He was, he felt, looked a whole lot more comfortable taking the shot than he had probably at any point except for the last few games, the last season. That's all. I mean, you can say something positive about pretty much everybody that was out there in that final game, and then you can pick out some negatives for pretty much everybody except for maybe Jedi Broom. I think Broom, I think Broom kind of exceeded all that, but um, it's just consistency. Can Auburn's guards be consistent? At times they were in this tour, and then against the other competition they weren't. That's tough. They're gonna to have to shoot the ball better, they're gonna to have to do all that, but foreign opponent, foreign rims, foreign foreign rules, foreign ball, you're not playing real basketball for another couple of months. Like so you've got time. You've got time to build it build that back up. So I think that's the thing with Flanagan. Like, yeah, if you were watching these games, I don't think anything you saw from Alan Flanagan during the stretch would make you say oh, yeah, he's back, he's 100%, it's ready to go, you know, he, he's back to being what he was. But I will say there were moments where you can say, okay, if he does that more consistently, he's, there. he's got that ability, it's that consistency that he's trying to get back to, and and, and that comes, you know, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. He he missed a lot of time, and, you know, confidence had had to be, confidence had to take a massive hit last season. No doubt about it. But at least Auburn's guy, guys who can pick him up.
1: I'm also curious about how Bruce is going to use KD and Zep. I mean, their roles. I don't think you're going to evolve all that much. Uh, but I, with a little bit more experience, or at least more of a presence in that in that group of guards, mm-hmm. um, I hesitate to say that it puts pressure on them because all those guys are going to get plenty of minutes. Right. I I'm genuinely fascinated to see if there is any sort of evolution and how they're used this season.
0: Yeah. You no, know, it's, it's, I think, I think one, uh, you know, Bruce said after the game, like I got to figure out who's like, I can roll anybody out one, two, three and four and five. And like, I'll have a good player out there. It's just going to matter. Who's our best. Who's going to get the most minutes. Who's going to earn it. I, I, I feel fairly confident of saying that I think Wendell's going to be your starting point guard next year. I feel fairly confident saying that Jasper is going to have to play more, more off ball, which I think he can definitely do. Uh, he did that a good bet at Charleston. Um, and then last season we saw one of Auburn's most effective combos last year is when Wendell and Zepp were on the floor together. Things I'm less confident in saying, but like I can see, is that maybe you're in a scenario where Katie Johnson's more of a six-man for you this year. I don't know. We'll see. I think that might fit his style well. And I think, like, the, the the wild card is Chance Westry. Like, does he play more one? Does he play more two? Does he play more three? There's a good argument for every one of those scenarios. And I know there's some Auburn fans after what they saw in those first couple of games that were like, that dude's got to start. And it's like, yeah, if he earns it, he, he you know, he'll have that shot. And, I mean, if he plays like – if he keeps going up from where he is right now, you know, he might not be at Auburn for very long. And, again, he's similarly rated to guys that were one and done at Auburn. He's not too far behind from the five stars or Isaac Okoro. Like that's that's the type of player you're working with here. Um, but yeah, the wild card there is fun. And then in the front court, uh, Broom seems like the guy at the five. I know Carwell's been really, really good. And, and Jalen Williams is super veteran. But I think it's going to be hard to knife Broom off that five spot. And I think Treor is going to be somebody that if he doesn't start the whole season at the four, I think he will be at some point because – Dude's different. Dude's just different. Um, so yeah, but that backcourt can go. I mean, there's so many different permutations you can come up with with that backcourt, and uh, that's what that's what the summer's for. That's what the, or the early falls for, and that's what that's what Bruce has got to figure out over these next couple months. And they got time. And then even when they get into the season, they'll have some time to really get that going before the games get the most difficult.
1: It cracks me up that Jay Billis loves shouting out Mountain Brook.
0: I wonder. I wonder if there's. I wonder what the deal is there. I
1: don't know if he knows somebody from there, or simply if there's like the the Duke Blue Devil in him.
0: <laughs> yeah, because my favorite Duke reference he pulled off uh, in that in that last game was he was saying that Jani Broom reminded him a lot of Carlos Boozer. I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like coming back, he's you know. Uh, He's like, yeah. When he when he was first at Duke, you know, you saw a lot of that in him, and I was like, yeah, there you go. I bet you could, I bet you could compare pretty much any player to a former Duke player. At this, like, I bet Jay Billis has that kind of trick he can do. It's like, all right, Jay, get, who's your best comp for this guy?
1: Let me shout out a little team that I like to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they're going to be nuts this season. Um, what so. a, what
1: an awesome situation. I mean, yes, it is always going to be difficult to follow in the footsteps of arguably the greatest coach of all time. I know you can make some arguments for others, particularly Wooden. Uh,
0: yeah,
1: they, the same thing will have happen at Alabama whenever Saban, good God, man, please go hang out right. with your grandkids whenever he quits. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- to be fair, he's <laughs> like uh, inheriting that recruiting class in year one is pretty nice.
0: Yeah, and he did most of the recruiting, I think, of that one, if I remember correctly. Uh, <laughs> it was like, yeah, he was – he was like, "This is gonna be my team. All right, let me get a let me get like four or five stars and let's keep it going." Yeah, they'll they'll be watching. Uh Billis was campaigning for Duke to go like because they're going to want to do this Israel tour, like want to have a team go over there every year. Auburn could only do it once every four years. You can only go on a foreign tour once every four Bruce years. Bruce is tournament. already making plans. Yeah, to Bruce, go back. Bruce is like, "I'll be back here in four years." All right, who wants to go next? And uh, I think uh, I think he was talking about Ty Golden. Uh, who obviously has uh, a connection with um, both from his Auburn days and also uh, there's there's ties uh, there with Israel um, they're taking Florida over there. Billis was talking about uh, about uh, Shire bringing Duke over. i will be interesting to see how that evolves um, over time. And I think Bruce said it after the game, like that's the type of team they want to, like teams are gonna want to play when they go overseas, right? That first game Auburn played. You know you, you play the you play the hand you're dealt with you don't get as much out of it but when you get to play a pro light game and that game was it the physicality and the speed and the pace and the atmosphere of what you would see in a good European basketball game um, I think teams are going to want to have have that a lot more frequently so you know hope hopefully uh, hopefully Auburn is uh, successful in kind of launching that moving forward because I think people are going to want that also by the way, I found it funny towards the end of the tour, they were like, "Hey, by the way, Kentucky's doing this too. Uh, Kentucky's got their tour that they're we're, we're going to have that on SEC Network." It's like, yeah, cow's cow's going to make sure cow's going to make sure they're going to be on. Uh, but there's a few other teams overseas that at this time right now that aren't being streamed. I'm not doing that as a, like Alabama's the obvious one. Like I'm not doing it as a slam on them. I'm like thinking like, man, what is SEC Network doing like? Do it. it was, this yeah, I don't know if they've noticed, but
1: they're they don't have a whole lot to broadcast right now. It's
0: like the the lead to the game on Sunday was a documentary that they've played at least nine million times this off season about Georgia's national title win. It's Did they like,
1: cut straight to Paul Finebaum after Auburn's game?
0: Yes, <laughs> the Tuesday game and this one. It's great.
1: He's been doing a lot of. Um, you know, engagement tweets online recently. I keep seeing people quote-tweeting him, what's the best stadium you've ever been to? What's the best tailgate you've ever been to? What's whatever? And I'm like, hey, get this. followers Paul. And, like, Paul definitely Paul?
0: doesn't tweet from his own... Yeah, Paul definitely doesn't tweet from his own account. Uh, but uh, it, it's kind of funny, like, imagining him doing that, though. Like, just, just sitting on his phone. Gotta get people. on
1: Twitter. Hold on, Marcus. <laughs>
0: um, so... That's our basketball takes. There'll be plenty of them. We'll keep we'll keep talking and writing about the team between now and 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 when basketball really gets going in November. Feeling uh, for but,
1: brother David right now. He was basically one of those things where you're already looking, you're already sad about something ending before it's happened. Dave was sad that this was going to be over like <laughs> when it started. <laughs> he was like, well, all right, now I'll just twiddle my thumbs until November. But yeah. that's okay. We will not be twiddling our thumbs. We we will, not. We will be talking about this football
0: stuff. Yep, and we will do that right after we take care of some business. All right, if you're listening to this, thank you for one. Uh, Appreciate you supporting what we've got going on here at The Observer. Um, Painter, let the folks know how they can help out this podcast specifically with one easy trick.
1: Rate, review, subscribe. It takes like 20 seconds. Leave us five stars. Leave a little one-line review or as long as you want, quite frankly. It's no skin off my nose if you want to take a lot of time with your review. Um, obviously, hit the subscribe button. Tell all your friends and your enemies alike. We would uh, we would appreciate
0: it. Yeah, and we've got a couple of reviews to read because, A, we're vain people, and, B, we like to shout out uh, those of you who do your homework and follow the instructions and are very kind to us uh with the reviews here we got two reviews here some new ones it's been it's been a minute since we've read some reviews on there so we're glad that we've got a couple new ones here this is from terry terry says thanks for the recruiting uh episode you guys are awesome or eagle yeah man christian clemente that was an all-timer episode if you haven't listened to it um go back and listen to it there's a lot of great recruiting intel there uh christian's i mean he hasn't been doing recruiting as long as some of the other guys on auburn speed are and i've said it before there's plenty of guys. Uh, the, the recruiting coverage at Auburn with all the outlets that do it and with all the people that do it and the experience and the hours they put into it, Auburn fans are spoiled. It's really cool to be, to see Christian, though, like immediately jump into it. I mean, he's only been on it for a short amount of time, and he does such a good job with it at, at, at uh, Auburn Undercover. Uh, this is from uh, – I'm going to say this is Nate. Um, Nate says, I appreciate following you all on Twitter and what my subscription gets me with the inner circle. Y'all are amazing, and after being in Auburn for summer school, the podcasts were for a perfect background to each day, so very thankful for that. Always impressed with the guests you guys get. Great recruiting episode. Here's your 20 seconds painter. Also, see you at Bow soon, J. Ferg. Yeah, I'm I'm right. Uh, Irritable Bow, by the way. This is just free advertising. Um, they're supposed to be opening up for dinner in the near future, which is going to make me very, very happy. So shout-out to Bow. Shout-out to... Shout out to quickly becoming one of my favorite places in Auburn over the last couple of years. Um, Yeah. Nate here mentioned the inner circle and being a subscriber. It's a great time to get on board with that. You're getting practice reports. You're getting, you know, basketball coverage, getting a lot. And we're going to keep that rolling on. Uh, Your subscription also gets you the aforementioned podcast with Dave and Pablo and Painter, the friends of the program uh if you can check out the first one for free um it was a few days ago check that out and that's kind of what you're gonna get a lot of stream of consciousness fans chatting uh and uh, they they get to go full barner on there uh which i wholeheartedly endorse i'm glad glad you guys are doing it and um yeah it's uh you you can only get that with a subscription though so you're getting a bonus podcast you're getting all the newsletters it's a perfect time to sign up too because We're doing a special right now. You get 25% off your first year at the Observer if you sign up right now. It's $45 instead of the $60 per year. A lot of you guys have already hopped on this deal, which is really, really cool um, to see just kind of the excitement and the buzz kind of get back with basketball and football going on at the same time. Arborobserver.com. You don't need a special code. You don't need a special link. You don't need anything like that. All you got to do is just try to sign up there. Uh, Any of the buttons will get you to it and it's $45 for your first year at the Observer instead of the normal 60 It's the lowest price we've ever offered uh, because we want uh, you guys to get on board for what we've got coming up here in the fall between the bonus podcast and all the newsletters and uh, some other fun stuff we are cooking up. All right. One more time. Actually, one more one more thing, I should say. Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to buy collegiate apparel we're talking vintage designs on the most comfortable things the world painter my youngstown state t-shirts came in this weekend and i love them so very much um great quality if you're an auburn fan which you 99.9 of you are if you're listening to this they've got awesome designs football basketball baseball just general university stuff just really cool old, old logos and what i'm telling you and painter can attest it's the most comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, crew necks that you're gonna find anywhere. Trust me. Uh, you can get 15% off your first order at home field with the promo code Observer at checkout. And uh, big news Saturday, they just did. Uh, they just did Oregon State, which was a really cool drop. Uh, if you have any interest in the Beavers, obviously Auburn beat them in the College World Series. Uh, the build up to the College World Series this year and the Super Regionals. Another familiar face is Big News Saturday this week, and uh, that would be the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, so should be a big one this week. Auburn's Week 3 opponent. But if you like Auburn stuff, if you like teams that aren't Auburn, or if you just think the designs are cool like me in Youngstown State, go to home homefield Thanks to Connor, Whitney, and the gang for continuing to support us here at The Observer. All right, let's talk some football, shall we? Auburn football, first weekend down. They're having these split squad uh, uh, practices. It's been interesting to see who is with who. And I think my biggest takeaway, honestly, Painter, after the first weekend of fall camp, in addition to the access we've gotten, which has been great, and the interviews, we've, had, we've talked to a lot of people, we've gotten to see a lot at this point. Um, really, really grateful and thankful for that because it makes for better podcasts and newsletters. Um There are a couple of freshmen that are like, if they're not significantly involved with what Auburn's doing this fall, I'm going to be very surprised because Camden Brown, wide receiver Camden Brown went from being of the rookies in the first day of camp, his first practice ever at Auburn. And then the next day he's running out there with the veterans and getting in the mix in the two deep. And then also JD Rim, who we talked about in spring ball, Talked about his guy who could probably factor a nickel and corner this year. provide some of that really, really good depth. Uh, obviously, four-star cornerback um, from uh, Valdosta. Really good football pedigree there with him. But that's the thing. When two freshmen get in with the vets early on, and there's some good freshmen, there's some good underclassmen that were with the rookies. Like, Landon King's been with the rookies, and we, we think very highly of Landon King, and we think he's going to contribute a good bit this year. Um, so when you split your squad in half... And you lean by age, and yet even still some of the younger guys make the breakthrough, including some of them very quickly. Gotta 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 sit up and pay attention to that. I'm really intrigued by Cameron Brown, first and foremost, Penner, because he's got size and speed. And like Auburn just does not have a ton of size in that wide receiver room. And we talked about it the other day. You have Shed Jackson back, you got Javarius Johnson. You got Coy Moore coming in with his experience, but other than that, it's just like, all right, who's going to do it? And it's like, why not Cam? Why not Camden Brown? I mean, wasn't the one thing Auburn fans were praying for and hoping for this offseason is like, we got to get more wide receivers. Got to get more wide receivers. Well, he's one of them, and he's already turning heads early on because I think he's got some physical attributes and something just naturally about him as a wide receiver that makes him stand out. But you also just got to you got to do the work as well, and he seems to be impressing really early on.
1: There have been some other SEC teams over the years as the passing game and football has just increased uh, in productivity and, and usage and how much reliance people have on it. Where I have, you know, a lot of times they're headlined by like one really good guy, but then some of the other players are just able to step up and consistently make plays. And it would be great if we had one of the top five or six receivers emerge in the league out of out of this room. But with as many guys that are in the wide receiver unit, I'd like to think there's four or five of them that can just be competent consistent guys who are able to get open and make life easy on the quarterback as he's getting broken into the system as well. No. Yeah, it's like, 100%. You know, that's a fairly deep room. It's just a deep room of unproven players.
0: Right, like you could see like you can make an argument for pretty much anybody in that room where you're like, "Yeah, I could see how that guy could end up being a good receiver for you." Like Landon King, wow, he's huge and he, all he does is make really impressive catches. Cameron Brown, well, he's big and he runs fast. Tavares Dawson. Everyone keeps talking about the, this guy, you know, and there's so many guys like that where it's just you got to go out and do it, right? And that's what makes it's what makes it the unknown. That's why Auburn is one of those teams that's picked towards the bottom of the league this year, is because like I don't think anybody's sitting here denying that Auburn doesn't have talent. They got dudes, so they don't have a lot of experience. Every year, there are teams in college football that catch people by surprise. Because the guys they get, they, they have some guys who turn some heads. They're breakout stars. They, they're surprises. And Auburn's going to desperately try to be that in the passing game, whether it's through Zach Calzada or Robbie Ashford or TJ Finley, who obviously would be coming back for another season, or you know, these guys at wide receiver. Auburn's going to need multiple of them. Like you can't, as much as Shed Jackson, there's good reviews on Shed Jackson. If he takes a step forward, that's great. But you need more. If Javaris Johnson takes a step forward, awesome. You need more. If Coy Moore provides what you think a transfer receiver from LSU can provide in year one, great. You still need more. And so, like, Auburn's going to have to rely on multiple somebody's to do it. And there doesn't really seem to be any sort of packing order coming in, so why not a guy like Cameron Brown? Kaden Brown is 6'3", and I've written it a couple times now at The Observer. More than a third of his catches last season in high school were touchdowns, and he averaged over 20 yards of reception. That's crazy, and then you add to the fact that he played at St. Thomas Aquinas in the Miami area, which is one of the best high school programs in the country. They don't play scrubs down there, <laughs> you know. They they play some of the best of the best, and this dude was a big play machine down there. Might not be the most polished receiver in the world. You know who else is the most polished receiver in the world? A lot of a lot of college wide receivers when they're young, um, and that's why I think like Ike here has got a lot lot to work with here. It's just who's going to emerge, right? I'm not saying Auburn's going to like tear it up with their passing game this season. Um I think like losing Kobe Hudson hurt. And I think for what I saw recently, like Kobe Hudson's like doing an awesome job down at UCF right now. He's probably gonna be really good down there. He would have been really good at Auburn, but that didn't work out. That didn't work out. There was you know the two sides went their separate ways. Uh and that's a big replacement you gotta you gotta fill in for. So But Kobe Hudson, remember, Kobe Hudson was a guy who broke out last season. So can Auburn find somebody like him again? Well, you've you've got dudes who were former blue-chip recruits that that make a lot of sense.
1: I'd like to be proven wrong. I feel like at this point we know what we get out of Shed, and I'm not really into asking him to do a lot more. Like, would it be nice if you got an evolution and Shed became a primary receiver? Yes, I'm just not expecting it. So, you know, he does some things well. I don't think he's going to be a player that leads the team in receptions. Again, open to being wrong on that. right? Uh, But there's a number of other guys. I call it a deep room. I don't know if that's what you really typically mean when you use the word deep. But, like, there are a lot of bodies. There are a lot Mm -hmm. of athletes. It's it's like, can we get a handful of those guys to be productive? None of them has to be all-world if the running game looks like we think it might.
0: And the thing with Shed also is it's like, He is what he is. You know, you can make that attempt. But, like, it's also not bad. Like, the way he finished last season changed it. Like, he finished last year. I looked this up just now. He finished last year with 527 receiving yards. All right? In the last handful of years at Auburn, the only receivers that have had more than that in a season are Darius Slayton, Seth Williams. There was one Anthony Schwartz season like this. Ryan Davis. Like, those guys. So, it's like... You know he he kind of put and then of course Kobe Hudson like they, he put himself in a level where again if you're Auburn you're not you haven't been churning out thousand yard receivers you know like you 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 don't have that kind of kind of history to you but can he be a guy that is you know as reliable as as some of, of what Auburn had in the past? Sure, you just need more. You can't it can't be it like he can take a step forward maybe he'll be a six hundred yard receiver this year. Closer to a 700 yard receiver, even more than that. All right. Well, you still need more. You still, you still, you still need more with that. So, um, I'm interested to see who that breakout guy is going to be because, like Kobe, Kobe was that guy for Auburn last year. You know, Kobe Hudson in 2020 had seven catches for 70 yards, and then he had 44 for 580 last year under a new t- like. Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be this year's Kobe? Right? I want to see who it is and i think it could be the Forrest dawson that's who i'm kind of leaning on uh as, as my pick but could be a camden brown could be a could be a Xavier capers could be lane and king if auburn can get one or two of those guys to step up and then have what they expect to be around like you have the makings of a solid passing game i'm not saying they're gonna break a ton of records and you know win 10 or 11 games but if the ultimate goal for what auburn needs to do this season under brian harson is hey man this is your offense, this is your offensive coordinator, this is your style, you've got your transfers, you've got your dudes in You know, coming in more in this second year. If you still want to be the head coach at Auburn moving forward, you need to show progress, especially on offense. These are the people he's going to have to do it with, and it's not impossible.
1: Yeah, I would like them to create separation and to hold on to balls more regularly.
0: Yeah. Hands is going to be an interesting thing. Once they get a little bit more... You know, when we see like more full contact work and stuff like that, when things get really speeding up and looking more like regular football, like like Zach Calzada suffered a lot last season at Texas A and M from guys dropping balls. Like as as we've talked about, Seth Galina pointed out, like, yeah, if you take out all the drops that they had after the Alabama game last season, Calzada had a really good like his just what he was doing throwing the football looked really good. But he can't step it he can't step away from a bad situation with drops and then into one where it's very similar. Those guys got to catch balls. That's why they. That's why you go get Coymore. That's why you try to lean on some some of these other guys, um, to take steps forward. So, that's big. I mentioned J D. Rim. Um, I it, fascinated by by his emergence. Um, you know, you do have Keontae Scott who had an interception over the weekend, which is uh, he's gotten good reviews early on. So learning the learning the system. You know, he he came in very late uh, because of some academic stuff he had to clear up in JUCO. Uh but they need they need that second wave. I wrote about it earlier in the in the offseason, but you know Zion Puckett and um you know, Nehemiah Pritchett, Jalen Simpson, Donovan Kaufman, you know those are gonna be the guys who's next. And they've got a combination of freshmen and transfers, That they gotta find a group of them to be that second tier, and then even into that third tier. Seen a lot of Caden Bridges early on. Caden Bridges has played with the with the vets. Rims out there with the vets, which is big. Um, DJ James, like when you mix, uh, when you mix and match back there, it's gonna be fascinating to watch. Um, other thing I'll, I'll say, watching uh, and from what I've heard, the uh, the Cam Riley hype is is something else, and this dude. Just physically, he looks a whole lot different than what Auburn's had at linebacker. Now, I'm not down on these guys at all because they're re- they've they been really, really good linebackers. But think about the linebackers Auburn's had in this renaissance. Deshaun Davis, K.J. Britt, uh, you know, Daryl Williams. A little bit on the smaller end. This dude is built like a guy that would probably be a pass rusher a lot of other places. And even, I mean, there was a stretch where it was like maybe he's an edge guy. Uh, but they like what he does going downhill. They like what he can do in space. The potential of a partnership with Owen Papo and him's a whole lot of fun. I know there are gonna be times when Papo and Steiner make a lot of sense next to each other. But Steiner and Papo are very similar in their makeup of uh, what they are as players. So Riley just gives you something else. Riley gives you a dude who's six five run and hit people hard. And and I think he's gonna be a lot of fun to see. But he looks a lot bigger than he did last year. Just physically a lot of these dudes look different and he's he's one of the main ones.
1: God knows we can use the extra depth.
0: Oh, for sure. And, like, who, who else is there at linebacker? Like Desmond Is Desmond Tisdell – can Desmond Tisdell be the fourth linebacker? They're going to need a fourth linebacker. You know, they're going to need a fourth and fifth linebacker. Uh, I'll be interested in seeing once these squads are kind of combined in practices, you know, can some of these younger guys who have been in the rookie practices, can they step up and show that, hey, you know, maybe we're ready to, ready to contribute and be too deep. Like, where does a Robert Woodyard fit in? You know, we mentioned Keontae Scott coming in with as a juco receiver or a juco corner sorry you know what what do you like about that um and then the defensive line jeffrey Mbog continues to be one of the top. i mean he that dude good grief he is he's a lot quicker than i thought he was gonna be um and you know it's it's not full contact practices early on but that first step he's got is really good and You've already got a good foundation with Colby Wooden and Marcus Harris and then Jason Jones coming in in the, in the spring and, and doing a good job there. But, I mean, Emba, Emba looks like a guy that can be one of your dudes early on. And, yeah, and, I'm wondering and how much
1: you can get out of him in, like, the first half of the season because I'd like to think in the second half he'll have adjusted, he'll have yeah. gotten some games in. Hopefully by this back half of the year you're really using him in a meaningful sense.
0: I like the depth on the defensive line. I think when you when you roll out a second unit on the defensive line, and that has got Marquise Burks and Zacharius Walker and Jeffrey Emba in a three down looker, that's that's a good that's a good uh, you know basis to to go off of there. Um, so I think they'll have to rotate a little bit more on the defensive line this year. I think Marcus Harris uh, continues to be slept on, but um, you know the. The depth they're building at defensive lines is a lot of fun to see kind of come together. Um, it's just going to be, are the linebackers ready? Can the edges stay healthy? Because I think everywhere else they're going to be fine on defense. And they have the potential, I think, to be pretty consistent. The other thing is, it's like, I, I was asked, I was on radio Monday morning. One of the guys who was doing it I asked, and was like, hey, we saw Auburn secondary last year look really good at times. And we looked, <laughs> we saw some games where they looked not very good at all. Why, should, you know, how, ha- why should anybody think they can be more consistent here? Like, what's what's the what's the argument for more consistency, especially when you lose Roger McCreary, about Aries Knight, and Smoke Monday? And I think one of the things there is that for a team that has two coordinators change, usually that's like a big red flag. That can be like the kiss of death for a team where you have two new coordinators at the same time, but your head coach is the same. Like, it's usually not great. 2012 Auburn rings the ultimate bell there. Um, but I think one of the reasons why that could be You know, overcome, and obviously there are teams that have overcome it easily in the past. Um, Alabama seems to do it every year, Uh, but they're Alabama, of course. Uh, I think the thing there with them, though, is um, these are pretty much the same systems. Like some of the terminology has been switched around a little bit, but like Auburn's going to run stylistically and schematically very similar to what they did last season on defense and on offense. Um, So maybe that consistency will help overcome that because I do think. Practices seem to be moving a lot quicker this fall than they were last fall because um, I think just guys have have a better foundation of the playbook. Now, I have watched the veterans. Obviously, the rookies are, are getting into it, but um, I think that might be a difference maker, especially, again, for a team that's got a lot of question marks and, and a lot of questions of do they have the talent to really hang uh, long-term in the league this year and, and get through the season as a better team. Again, keep in mind they get two paycheck games to get it started and five home games to open the schedule. That that it the back half of the schedule is brutal, but like if you're wanting to build something out where it's like, would you rather have an easier start to the season or an easier finish to the season? I think if you're an Auburn shoes, you'd rather have an easier start because you want to build up a runway. You want to build up momentum. Um and that's 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 kind of the that's one of the edges you can kind of give Auburn. Um see if they can take advantage of it.
1: I'm buying in the spin zone. It's here. I'm ready to be hurt. Uh, that fiery Cush, that Zach Calzaza on its way, baby.
0: Yeah, you. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be hurt at times <laughs> this season. I think that's that's a guarantee. It's Auburn football. It's football, period. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know, I keep going back to like when you think about this Auburn football team. If they can get their act together in the passing game, which is a big if. But that is one of the things that Brian Harson was hired to do well. That's his, that's his background. Um, I just keep going back to the fact that even though this team is not recruiting at the level of an Alabama or a Georgia or an A&M or most of the time an LSU, I think about some of the teams that they're going to have to beat to get out of the cellar of the SEC West this year and prove that they can be. and the, like They have more talent than Mississippi State does. They have more talent than Ole Miss does. They have more talent than Arkansas does. They have more talent than Missouri does that they play. They play this year, and it's like, okay, that's half your SEC schedule right there. Um, obviously they've shown that they've been capable of beating A and M and LSU and overcoming that in the past. We'll see if that works this year. Obviously, you get both of them, uh, you know, at home, which will be helpful. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that's the spin zone for Auburn. Is like, wait, this team still has more talent than a good number of teams that they're playing. Those teams that they're playing, though, have the one thing Auburn doesn't have. Maybe the two things Auburn doesn't have. Stability and a lockdown. Like, you know know what the quarterback situation is going to look like at Mississippi State. You know what the quarterback situation is going to look like at Arkansas and at Ole Miss, even though they've got new faces there, because it's Lane, right? You know what Missouri – like, you know what's coming back at Missouri. It's like Auburn – being successful in 2022 is ultimately really going to come down to can they get that and prove that everything else can push that forward, that it is a team thing, but you can't overlook it because it's hard to win college football when you don't have your passing game locked down. You, it's it's almost impossible unless you're a service academy, and uh, Auburn's not a service academy, and they don't play teams that service academy teams usually play, uh, so that, that makes it a little difficult, but we shall see. We, we shall see what, 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 that, what that entails. I think if, like I said, I think if they can get their passing game locked in, and that is a big question mark because of the quarterback and the wide receivers, if they can get that locked in, I think everything else about the team can get them pushed forward into, hey, this could be a season better than people expect because I like Auburn's talent more than I like a number of teams' talent on their schedule. Just a lot of teams like the stability of their coaching staff and their quarterback play, which honestly is two of the biggest things you can have. Uh, so I get it. I get it. Yeah,
1: outside of Alabama and AM, normally you would put LSU in that group in the West, but given all the turnover and a first-year coach, I just don't know what to do with yeah. LSU. They're, so, they're a
0: big wild card, yeah. But,
1: yeah, outside of, of those two, I think pretty definitively. They're a,
0: look, they're on a winning streak against Ole Miss. They're on a winning streak against Arkansas. And they have more talent than Mississippi State, but state's state runs a system, and they've got a they've got a plan. And we saw it last year in in full 4K. Uh, you know, they have a system that can overcome that very quickly. It's been if you out, if you aren't on your game,
1: Mike Leach in year three, like there have have been some instances of him. You know, by by that time with the personnel and the experience, yeah. you, you tend to see some results. as – Goofy of a tenure as you're going to have with the ups and downs of a Mike Leach team. Like this could be a year which they, by all standards, by Mississippi State standards, not all standards, by Mississippi State standards, have a nice season.
0: Yeah, Mike Leach, his third season at his third season at Texas Tech, they went nine and five. His third season at Washington State, they went three and nine. But uh, yeah, I keep going back to like those Washington State years. Uh, there were a couple of them I think were like. Washington State would lose to an FCS team and then win like <laughs> nine games, <laughs> like they're they're you know that I think State's gonna have a lot of that to him this year. Like State, I don't know who State plays. Let me look up who they play this year. Like I don't know who all they play in non conference in non conference, but like they are definitely they play Memphis, they play Bowling Green, they play. This is a bad website. Uh, they play East Tennessee State. And they play Arizona. Oh, my. (laughs) Week two. Get ready for this one. Week two, Mississippi State at Arizona. 10 o'clock Eastern kickoff. That is going to be one weird football game. But, yeah, Yeah. it's like that's a team that I don't know how good Memphis is going to be this year. But, like, that's a team that could lose by double digits to Memphis and then still have a really good year in SEC play. Because that's just the nature of what State does. Or a Mike Leach team does, I would say. Yeah, Lol gonna be, at gonna me
1: be uh, saying the three year thing and them going three and nine at Washington State. But if I want, I, wa- I
0: don't remember what happened that year either. Well,
1: from that point on, for the next five seasons, by all accounts, one of the worst programs in the country. Then went on a nine eight nine eleven win little series. So it could happen for State. I think again, it's all about the standards that Mississippi State sets for themselves. I'm not expecting them to finish in the top three in the West, but. Uh, for them to improve got with their coming quarterback back. coming back and right some of the pieces yeah. on defense, I won't be shocked if it's a a nice enough year for those folks.
0: By the way, Mississippi State plays Auburn this year the first week of November. Um, State's coming off an off week beforehand, which will be interesting. Um, and before you're like, oh wow, they get they get the you know Auburn has to play a team right after an off week in that in that terrible. Uh, listen to what state State does. State their month of October host A&M, host arkansas and then at kentucky at alabama off week auburn then georgia they uh they they did not they did not they're in the kind of same boat as auburn is where it's like that back half of that schedule could like really kick them in the teeth um so it's important to build up a good runway it is important to build up a good runway all right i think that'll do it you got anything else Nada. a all right We will be back later this week uh, for the premium podcast, Uh, you know, more newsletters. They won't all be at 6 a.m. The last few haven't been at 6 a.m. And that's kind of just the way Auburn's doing their um, the way Auburn's doing their availability for a lot of this is kind of in the middle of the day. Um, So you might be getting some more afternoon uh, newsletters coming up, but we'll we'll see. We'll we'll be flexible with the schedule. But more newsletters, more podcast, a lot more coverage. Like I said, if if you're not a uh, if you're not a subscriber to the Observer, it's the best time to do it. Forty five dollars for your first year. It's a twenty five percent discount. Uh, it's the cheapest we've ever offered. And uh, yeah, sign up at auburnobserver.com and you get all everything emailed to your inbox. Get a notification for. All the podcasts, and you get all the newsletters you can read right from your email inbox of choice. Painter, final thoughts.
1: Why do the Oakland Athletics have an elephant as their mascot? A, their affiliation with the Republican Party. B, an original owner co-wrote Walt Disney's Dumbo. C, because an elephant is said to, quote, never forget. D, to spite a former opposing manager. B, so you're going with an original owner Co-wrote Walt Disney's <laughs> Dumbo The correct That's the answer. funniest one <laughs> The correct answer is in 1902 New York Giants manager John McGraw dismissed the Philadelphia Athletics calling them White Elephants with contempt Athletics boss Connie Mack Defiantly made the elephant His team's insignia and it stuck
0: There you go, stick it to him.
1: Ain't no stress on me Lord I'm moving forward Sorry, but I'm moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Ain't no stress on me.
0: Catch me out, y'all done specially invited, guess me out. Y'all been telling jokes that's gonna stress me out. Soon as I walk in, I'm like, let's be out. I was off the chain, I was often drained, I was off the meds, I was called insane. What an awesome thing, engulfed the shame. I want all the rain.